the plight of black people is not going to change before or after this unless we do something about it economically. Hello there from Bedford. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by The Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Isaiah Jackson, author of Bitcoin and Black America. But before that, I've got a message from my show sponsors. So first up today, we're going to talk about the future of Bitcoin and financial services, which is BlockFi. Have you checked out their new mobile app yet? Everything you expect from BlockFi packed into your phone. They've got quick and easy sign up so you can get started in just a few minutes, allowing you to earn interest, borrow USD and instantly access your portfolio. You can also open up a BlockFi interest account and earn money on your Bitcoin. And using your Bitcoin as collateral, you can take out a USD loan. The app enables funds to be transferred directly in from your crypto wallet straight into your BlockFi account. And that's not all. They've got a whole bunch of other things coming up over the next few months, which you know I will be telling you about. If you're interested in checking out BlockFi, I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Also, let's talk about Kraken and why they are the best place to buy Bitcoin. Firstly, they have world-class security, which makes them the most trusted cryptocurrency exchange in the market. And with their 24-7, 365 customer support, they can help you with any issues, whoever you are and wherever you are. They also have the most comprehensive suite of tools available for buying Bitcoin. You've got Kraken.com, where it couldn't be easier to sign up and purchase Bitcoin. They have a beautiful mobile-first app, so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with margin trading, futures, and their OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to buy Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app, which is available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so on to the show today, and I have Isaiah Jackson on, the author of Bitcoin and Black America. And we originally meant to do this a few months back when I was in LA, and for a couple of reasons, it didn't happen. And then with the lockdown, you know, I haven't been traveling. So it fell through, but we'd for a while we said we were going to make the show. And look, with everything that's happening out in America, especially with the killing of George Floyd at the hands of the police and the protests and riots, I felt like it was a good time to get Isaiah on and talk about some of the issues that I don't really fully understand. Now, as a white guy from the UK, it's hard for me to understand the dynamics of institutional racism in the US. It's a country I've traveled to a lot, but, you know, I don't want to be naive and I don't want to pretend I understand something I don't. And this is something which I know Isaiah's talked about and he's written about, especially with the lens of Bitcoin, how Bitcoin can help the black community. So I asked him to come back on the show and obviously he's more than willing to come on, which is great. It was a great interview. We will do it again next time I am in LA. We will actually do one in person, dig a little bit deeper into his Bitcoin thesis. But yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. If you've got any questions about this, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, I recommend going and getting his book. I've got it. I've read most of it. It's a, it's a very good read. It's very eye-opening for me. It's available at Amazon. It's available at his website. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Also, if you haven't checked out Defiance yet, I'm really steaming through some good shows on that. I've just released the first part in a multi-part look at the history of Steve Mnuchin. It's called Robin Hood. The first part looks at his early life, his time at Yale and Goldman Sachs. That's available at defiance.news. If you're interested in knowing about this uh, Treasury Secretary in the US, the guy who seems to be behind a lot of weird and kind of unjust and immoral shit it's definitely worth checking out as i said that's at defiance.news and if you want to reach out to me my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com isaiah man how are you doing great man glad glad to be here well finally we went to do this in la a few months ago right (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah i was gonna say it's about fucking time (laughs) well that was my fault that was my fault because i cancelled on you no it's all good um 
But in some ways, I'm kind of glad that we did because I feel like, you know, whilst it's not a good thing, the stuff mm-hmm. going on right now, which means that the conversation we're going to have is going to be even more relevant, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime is a good time. I'm, like I said, just glad to be on the platform with you and discuss it. We talk in person, so glad to discuss more about the issues going on today. Yeah. There is a lot going on. And listen, look. There's a lot of stuff I want to unpack with you, and some of the things I won't know, I won't understand, because not, not only am I um, from a different country, I, I, like I face different issues. We have different cultural issues. Even today, there's people in London uh, fighting police, policemen and police women. They think they're fighting the same issues, but I don't think they are. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be afraid to ask you any questions. If I ask anything that sounds dumb or I've kind of missed a step, you, you just let me know. But but listen, where I really want, want to kick off with you on all of this is like, obviously, it's fucking crazy right now out in America. Things are going a bit crazy. What do you make of it all? Uh, well, I will say the uh, initial impact or what sort of kicked it off, uh, another murder of another black man by the police is something we've seen before. I'm honestly tired of marching and tired of tired of having to go through this process over and over. I feel like we've done it almost every uh, election year since I've been alive. So so it's one of those things that what kicked it off was the murder of George Floyd. But uh, uh, what's happening as far as the change in how people are protesting, looters, you know, it's a lot of craziness going on. It could be outside forces that have something to do with it. Uh, What I see is a a bunch of frustrated, broke people uh, expressing themselves along with people who are basically taking advantage of the moment. I think you have a combination of both at the same time, but all in all, for the most part, as far as the black community, we've, we've been fighting, fighting this fight for so long. I think at some point people were like, well, enough is enough. Violence may be the only way, even though I disagree, but some, that's how some people feel. So uh, unfortunately we have to get to that point because I don't really care a lot if police like me per se from a racist standpoint, but do your fucking job. I mean, at the very least I pay you, I pay your salary. I mean, that should be enough for you to do, you know, what you're supposed to do. So that is sort of the cries that are coming out from the black community. And I just want to uh, to do my part because I understand when the smoke clears economically, we have to have a plan moving forward so that something like this can be avoided, hopefully, you know, down the line. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that. I've got some notes here. Uh, I was, uh, I put a thing on Twitter the other day trying to talk about the nuance of this. I, I think anyone who tries to come out with some kind of binary argument about what's going on is starting off from a kind of a bad place. And yeah. I put it down into three categories. I was like, I put it down as the killing of another black man at the hands of police or a murderer, you know, as you yeah. said, but also I think what we're seeing with this is that there is a wider issue with police brutality. It seems yeah. to be disproportionately affecting black people, but there's like this authority thing going on where yeah. I feel like the police think they have just the authority to beat the shit out of people. Then there's the oh, kind of general distrust of the state and the economic issues that come with that, which again seem to disproportionately affect black people more than white people. And, and I do want to talk to you about that actually, because mm-hmm. I was out running earlier and I was listening to this book called Home Wreckers, which is about what happened during the financial crisis mm-hmm. uh, with terms of properties. And that talked about uh, a lot of the discrimination with African Americans. And then there's like all the opportunists, whether it's the white supremacists and Antifa and people with political agendas. I, th- I think that's kind of like the main three groups and and perhaps in that then there's just a bunch of young people getting brought like hyped up and just going fucking crazy but what is it like for you as somebody you say you've marched every year with the same bullshit again and again but Mm. you're seeing 
a protest being co-opted by other groups is is that frustrating for you or have you got a dual thing going on here because there is there isn't just the killing of another black man at the hands of the police but there is also the economic issues coming together so Mm -hmm. i think two issues that are important to you come together at the same time so is it distracting is it a good thing what do you think uh well since i wrote the book bitcoin in black america and one of the things i described was redlining which just describing home records which disproportionately force black people to live in certain areas uh they would not give you loans if you wanted to live in a certain area or you just couldn't get a loan at all they sort of forced people into these areas and you know, purposefully lower the property value by doing things like building highways straight through if you come to america anybody who's there or if you're in america when you go down these highways look off the exits they're almost always mostly black neighborhoods because that was a concerted effort to drive down the property tax. Also, if you go in a lot of black neighborhoods, most of the uh, old steel mills that have no use anymore are sitting there. That drives the value down. Trucking companies, which drives the value down too much noise. There's not really, you know, any residential areas. So that that was a concerted effort to take away uh, economics, which started a long time ago. And generationally, even though it started 50 years ago, that's like one lifetime. My mom is 50, you know what I mean? So or around 50. So it's not like this was a long time ago. This started fairly recently. And because of those economic problems, along with the social problems that we're seeing and uh, some of the, you know, outcry that we're seeing uh, in protests, uh, I am not surprised that it's happening. And I think because it's happening at the same time, I think it's a perfect storm for people to A, read about something like Bitcoin as a solution, uh, either through my book or others, but also to focus economically going forward because, one of the examples I use in the book, um, the Jewish community in New York, the way they operate is is so community based and they have the money to back it up. A policeman will not ever kill a Hasidic Jew on their on their in their neighborhood. It just will, will not happen because the police department will get sued. Every, I mean, the police that does it may actually be in danger at that very moment. That's just an example of what if you have a strong community with strong, you know, small businesses, and you're able to operate without that police force, uh, you can actually move forward ostensibly. And, and one of the things I want to point out too is these protests, they're going to end at some point. I, I think some people have this mindset like it's just going to go on forever and ever. They're going to end at some point and we need that strategy. And I agree with you. And I think there are some people involved uh, as far as protests, maybe with the uh, looting and, and messing up businesses, but I think it's mostly Antifa. And I've seen videos of, of people, random people, paying kids and if you notice it's always some kids with skateboards knocking the windows out of the bait car it's a bait car at every protest and it's and then they show the fire and then that's the the front page thing when in reality uh it was 14 kids and all of a sudden they're like a city on fire it's like no it's not really it's it's actually the other 95 percent were just marching and just there so uh i think people need to make sure that's not misconstrued and that the plight of black people is not going to change before or after this unless we do something about it economically I think Bitcoin is is a viable option, and I, I think going forward we have we have to implement it uh, somehow to move away from the state. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get into the Bitcoin stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to mention uh, when you said as far as the police turning into sort of military force for everybody, I want people to remember that if it happens to one community, they're coming for you next. It's just a matter of time until they militarize to the point. We're already seeing the National Guard out. We're seeing people getting tossed out of their cars for a curfew. You have grown adults who can't do it. So if you think it can't happen because of whatever uh, reasons, sorry to say it is possible. And it's definitely something you want to stop. 
All right, help me understand a couple of things. Not only because I'm not black, but also because I'm also from the UK. So again, it's different issues. I've been to the US a lot, but like, try and explain to me, as a black person, what what is like what it's like growing up in America. What are the things that I don't see that are day to day issues for you? Either the direct racial discrimination or the subtle kind of insidious things that happen. Uh, so. From personal experience, some of the most insidious things I've seen is, for one, uh, very recently, uh, actually last month, I was pulled over by a police officer because I fit a description. They pulled me over, had everything, license registration. The ticket they gave me didn't even have a reason, and they didn't make me sign it. They basically just wanted to get out of there. That sh shit like that is like, why, why would I fit a description? How can you see me? It was 11 o'clock at night. And the, the windows aren't completely tinted, but they are tinted enough. You can't really even see my face at night. But they just happen to see that I fit a description from afar, from literally across the street. So that's one of the things just annoying. That's one thing. Gladly, I, it was nothing physical there. But I have been physically assaulted on two occasions by police officers. Once, police officer tried to pull. He pulled me over. He didn't say roll the window down. He opened my door, tried to pull me out. Luckily, the seatbelt was on. He couldn't take it. I had three witnesses with me, so he kind of stopped. But that was his first reaction was to try and pull me out of the car. Like, what? I, it, it's so weird to me. Uh, also, case of mistaken uh, identity, when I was in college, if they put out a report that said that somebody did some crime, robbed a bank, the description would say black male, black hoodie between 5'6 and 6'3. And it'd be the middle of winter. So that's literally so every, every black Every dude. Uh, Every single black dude walking around. <laughs> so I got slammed on the ground by police in front of this, right beside the bank. And it's a store right there um, because they thought I I robbed the bank and came back to see it, obviously. But yeah, they slammed me down because of that mistaken identity. The second cop was standing over me and he, I was there for an hour. For what reason? I don't know. Had nothing to do with it. And it, it like I said, the physical part of it is, is cr the crazy part because it's like, that's not your job. Protect and serve has nothing to do with how I was treated. And it's been more occasions. I've had police that have done uh, other other stuff. I've had police pull me over in my own neighborhood for running through a stop sign. Uh, and they held me there for two hours, searched my car, asked me, did I have guns? Did I have rocket launcher? Did I have bombs? And it was it was just comical. I was just looking at these guys like, what the fuck do you have to do at two in the morning? I just got off work. I used to work late shift when I was in college, came back to my apartment, quote unquote, ran through a stop sign at 2 a.m. There's nobody here, out here to go throw away trash. And I got pulled for two hours. It's four in the morning. I got to go you know, to class and shit. But that's little stuff that has happened to me personally. Now, I don't know any black people that have not had run-ins run with the law. So when, you, when you're saying, uh, what's it like in America? What it is is a constant state of terror based on nothing. Because there is no reason for a lot of the stuff that happens uh, between cops and black people. However, uh, it's really heinous when people are handcuffed and still get killed, still get shot. So there's obviously a, the racist element there. And there's a power struggle because there are a lot of cops who, in my opinion, were dweebs in high school and they just don't know how to handle themselves around people. They can't really, like, they get real flustered and a scared man will shoot before anybody else. So for the good cops who are there, I, I would say for cops that are good, that are doing their job, it's your responsibility to call these guys out, tell them they're doing a shitty job because unfortunately it's making you all look bad and in the black community, we have no trust in the, a lot of most black people have no trust in the police. In fact, I have family members who are in their 60s and 70s who have never called the police in their life. They've had issues, never called the police because they could show up and just start shooting at everybody there. And you could be the homeowner, which has just happened. Breonna Taylor, she was one not not well known. Mm -hmm. They went into the wrong house, shot her eight times while she was asleep. 
And the thing is, if that was the right house, that was the plan to just bust in and shoot whoever it was. I mean, not serve a warrant. Not so it is obviously more of a military mindset with black people in, in black neighborhoods. And I, I hate the fact that <clears throat> a lot of the people who are trying to do the right thing right now, especially at this moment, they're they're it's nothing they can really do unless the ones that are messing up are either gone or there's some sort of money insurance tied to when they do it. If you could lose your pension because you shoot somebody incorrectly, people would think twice before they start pulling the trigger randomly on handcuffed people. And I've, I've heard some some crazy stories of, of how cops have treated some of my friends. I've, I mean, I have at least seven or eight run-ins with the law that were just inconvenient. And then I've had a few that were physical. It, it was too many anyway. I mean, it's just it was for no reason. And something as as much as literally standing outside of a store, you can get body slammed to the ground. So that's what it's like as far as police in the U.S. And as far as mending those fences, I, I, I'm not sure how unless there's some sort of money loss on their end. They have to you have to basically take away something. But there is no recourse. They get paid leave and people just keep going on and they buried it in the news and there's nothing else. So. There has to be something done there. And just from my own experience, I've definitely, uh, definitely went with the protesters. Right. So there's two things there then. There's profiling and uh, aggression. Uh, so we we have racial profiling in London. I know that exists. But we have a, we have a, a fairly decent police complaints and like a, a review process but we don't mm. we certainly don't have the levels of violence that's not to say it hasn't happened and that's not mm. to say uh, we had this famous case of this uh, young lad called Stephen Lawrence who was murdered and due mm. to institutional racism in the police they these five guys got away with it. they weren't police officers themselves but it was the police's bundled investigation yeah. okay all right I, I get that what about outside of the police what what kind of kind of things do you face you talk about you know, racism within the uh, banking sector mm-hmm. what, what kind of what kind of other things do you face um so you know you know as far as the social aspect of uh, being black some of the things that you face uh some of them are smaller so they don't really register anymore to me because i'm more focused on the economics part and, and moving forward in the future but just little small things like uh when you get hired being complimented that you speak so well and i'm like i've been speaking english as long as you have like why is that a compliment uh, sort of like a backhanded thing. Like I didn't realize you would be able to speak like that. Like, and uh, I have you know sort of a beard and you know tall black guy plays sports. And I worked in IT, so literally almost every IT person I ever met was surprised. Like, oh, how did you find out about this field? Like, literally, that's a question I got. Uh, how did you find out about this field? I was, <laughs> I got the same internet you do. Like, it's just little shit like that. It pisses you off. So to some people, that would be enough to piss them off for the rest. You know what I mean? Like the rest of the day, rest of the week. And they'll be t- telling all their friends about it. To, to most black people, we just deal with it, just keep on going because it's like same old shit. You know what I mean? So just little stuff like that. When I was in school, a lot of times if you made good grades and I would help out, I did a, I helped a lot of people um, when I was helping to write papers in college, uh, mostly white guys because my school was mostly white and they would get good grades and then they would take credit for it and then make it seem like they were smarter. And then they, it was just, you know, that whole thing. Sort of like, you know, a lot of black parents are the kids. You got to work twice as hard to get half as much shit because that is one of the things that you find yourself in these same spaces, but you're not on the same level because of either the economics wasn't there when you started or because you're suppressed by people who feel threatened. Because in my field, working in economics, there's a lot of people who genuinely do not trust black people with money. They really think that, oh, if you want to deal with money, uh, use the Jews or use if you want to deal with math, use the Chinese, you know, my accountant. You know, it's, it's that same thing. If it's a black dude with money, it's like, oh, they're going to squander it or they're not going to be able to handle it. 
And unfortunately, in the venture capitalist market, uh, I actually discuss this in the book, only 1% of venture capitalist money goes towards Black-owned businesses. So if you think it's not a concerted effort to avoid Black uh, CEOs, then you're very, very mistaken because that is a very big problem. Even smaller uh, Black black women CEOs, 0.2%, I think, goes to them. So uh, we're talking about not a lot of the big money going into the businesses that could be comparably just as good. doesn't matter. This is internal VCs. This is what they do. So, you know, as far as being black, that's a lot of the experience that I've had. Most of it does not affect me on a daily basis. I don't want to make it seem like every day I go outside, something happens to no, no, no. But it happens enough to where, for one, you don't forget it. And for two, it's annoying in spaces where it shouldn't even be happening at work, at school, you know, public places. Uh, even so far as well, when you can measure it, like when when you can measure it, like one percent of CEOs or investments from investment Mm -hmm. banks, I think that's that becomes a little bit more interesting because it's Mm -hmm. you can actually measure it, you can actually statistically see there's a Mm -hmm. there's an issue there. Um, This is one okay. This is one of these questions that might be either a really good question or an ignorant question, but just tell me either way. Mm -hmm. Are there problems that are also internal within the black community that that can't be solved by people outside the black community? Are there internal issues that also need to be solved? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, So in every community, they have their own issues and they should be worked out by their own community. Solidarity is cool, but for some things, black people need to work on for themselves. For example, within the black community, one of the things we have to establish is trust. Uh, a lot of black people don't trust other black people for the simple fact that over the years, a lot of people have fed into the media narrative. Unfortunately, it's crazy. Kind of have Stockholm syndrome. But unfortunately, a lot of black people think white is right and it's always going to be better. So black people don't trust other black people, especially being in, in economics or, or economic thing like I am. So trust is one thing. Also, too, um, the ability to have a circular economy um, that comes with trust, but also too having the mindset that we have to support each other. Some people have this mindset that I'm black. I made some money. I mean, I, I live in Beverly Hills. I'm not there now. I'm at my other house, but I, I live in Beverly Hills. There's black people that that live there and they think it's over. I made it. I have nothing to do with the black community. That has nothing to do with me. But you can have somebody like Henry Louis Gates, uh, one of the most prominent black people in the country. He got arrested on his doorstep because they thought he was breaking into his own house. So it doesn't matter how high up you think you go. I think as far as the black community, we have to understand we're in this together. I've seen a lot of communities, immigrant communities mostly, because they have a home country and because they can bring in people, they realize we have to stick together. The only way we're going to make it is if we stick together. And I had an ex-girlfriend that was Mexican and uh, most of her family was still in Mexico and they had eight people living in a house. Everybody had a job. Everybody put money in a pot every month to save for later for whenever the next person's quinceanera, the next person's graduation, they would do that. And they trusted each other because they knew we're all we have. So uh, I think black people have to get back to that point. And within our community, uh, as far as crime, I don't think black on black, white on white, it's proximity. Crime is based on proximity. Most black people live near each other, so it's going to be that. But as far as some of the some of the way we portray ourselves with crime, like making it seem like it's okay, uh, it's fine in entertainment with, with rapping or whatever, because we have movies that portray crime. But we do have to work on that with each other. Uh, one thing I do every time I see a black person, I give them a head nod. You might notice some people may notice that random black people give each other head nods or at least say hello. You know, what I mean, make it just to make it peace between each other, because it's a lot of animosity built up. And some people don't even know why they don't like other black people. It's, it's literally because you've been taught that way and taught to not trust them. So that that division keeps you from having a community. So it's, it's a few things we can work on in our community. It's a lot more. I mean, 
if I had to to throw another one in there, maybe more accepting of the gay community. Black community is, uh, especially a lot of African immigrants and Caribbean, uh, a lot of times have been stereotyped as notoriously homophobic. So with the gay community, uh, LGBTQ community, being more open to that, um, I think the black community can work on that. I think we have deep rooted uh, religious roots with Christianity and, and Muslims. So that may be the issue there, whatever that is. In my opinion, none of that shit should matter. We all, if we're all black and we're all trying to make it and economically we're trying to push it, we got to get rid of those old ways of trying to, we're just separating ourselves. So a few things we can work on and I can't come up with all the solutions, but there are people working on it now and we're not desolute or, de, uh, you know, destitute. Like we're dying. We're actually succeeding, getting better. It's just every community has to work on something. Right. So internal and external things mm-hmm. that can be worked on. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go to the book, right? I, I've got a copy. I haven't read the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I did look at it when, uh, cause you gave me a copy when I saw you in LA, mm-hmm. but, there will there will be people who are going to listen to this who haven't uh, read the book. I'll probably give some out actually. But mm-hmm. you talk about black black economics. What do you, talk about what black economics is? Absolutely. So, uh, like I said before, the circular economy I'm describing. Uh, being in LA the last three years, one of the things I've noticed going to places like Koreatown, Chinatown, Little Ethiopia, you know, it's different aspects where there's a community of people based on their economic mindset and you know, obviously their race. In Koreatown, they don't even have stores sometimes in English because they don't even need the outside community. That's how on point they are. And that's sort of the mindset I wanted a lot of uh, black people to get into as far as uh, black economics, because what that means is we shop with each other. We uh, actually buy from each other and we invest in each other because long term, if our community is going to succeed, we can't have all of our dollars going to outside communities because there are a lot of people who have made a lot of money off some of our biggest name players, because if you look at the black community, our biggest money makers, athletes, entertainers, most of their money is gone to 80% white families by the time they leave. Between their lawyer, their agent, their team, which is fine. I mean, if they're the best for the job, that's who you want to choose, that's fine. However, some people are just as good in the black community, don't even get a second look. Uh, for example, LeBron James's agent, Rich Paul, he's not a formerly trained agent, but he's the biggest agent in the game right now. And people like himself who may not even you know, have that formal trail or have just the resources, those people can succeed as well uh, if the black community comes together and has that those economics. And in my opinion, it can happen a lot easier because we have the internet now. You can shop online. I, I just bought two items from two black-owned businesses today. I usually try and buy one at least one a week uh, just to make sure people realize I'm making money off my book. I want to help other businesses make their money and then keep it going because at the end of the day, we really are all we all we got. We shouldn't be looking for outside help and we don't get outside help. So why even fuck with <laughs> this whole, you know, we want to be friends with the uh, the oppressors that want to keep our ec- economics down uh, because this affects everybody, but because black people have economically been pushed down already, then it really affects our community. Because I mean, how bad is it if the Fed is printing money and our money is going to get inflated and the value is going to go to shit? And we're barely, you know, it was in the league Forbes that black Americans are expected to be worth zero dollars in 2050, like a net worth because of no savings, because of debt. So all of that is is all compounded unless we change. And I think that's what black economics is, having a circular economy, supporting each other and going forward. Yeah, a bit like. A bit, a bit like people are trying to do with Bitcoin at sometimes create that circular economy. Absolutely, yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of similarities when I first started. Yep. 
So I know because I listened to your interview with Pomp that you it was 2013 you discovered Bitcoin, right? But mm. but what's your own kind of personal thesis? Are you Bitcoin only, and what's the value you see in it? Like what what what, what draws you into Bitcoin? Oh yeah, um, so I am. I would say a maximalist, but I'm like a maxi-ish, I would say. <laughs> Meaning I like other projects for for people to get involved or for people to learn, not necessarily uh, that it'll ever overtake Bitcoin or that it has the same censorship resistance. I don't think there's any other project that has shown that. Uh, however, uh, I am open to other projects, just you know, viewing them, trying them out uh, for different use cases. I don't think blockchain uh, is going to save the world because blockchain's only use case right now is Bitcoin. So that's why I say I'm maxi-ish. However, I think it's not the end. Uh, somebody could come up with some innovation that could turn blockchain into, you know, something better than, you know, what we have now. And I think, you know, we have teenagers and college students working on that now. And in five, 10 years, maybe I'll change my tune. But for the most part, Bitcoin maxi-ish, meaning every, all of the tools that we need to go forward can be built on Bitcoin. And if we took all of this talent that was too busy trying to sell people vaporware or whatever they're trying to sell, you know, some of these coins, uh, if they were working on just Bitcoin, we, we could advance a lot faster. So that's sort of where I am with uh, with Bitcoin. Right. Okay. So talk to me about how you think it can help the black community. Mm. And also, like, we're all, we all go out there and try and convince people, right? We try and, I try and convince my dad, my brother, even my kids, right? I try and talk to them about Bitcoin. But You've talked before about there's like a, it's it's been harder to try and promote Bitcoin within the black community. Why is that? Oh yeah, so unfortunately, like I said, the trust factor in the black community. Uh, a lot of times, people have been duped and people have been tricked into different multi-level marketing and whatever schemes, whatever people have done. And unfortunately, when I first got into uh, Bitcoin, the first couple of years I was learning about it, all I was hearing about were scams. I would look at it, I'd be like, that's an obvious scam, but people were like, no, 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 this is how you get involved with Bitcoin. I was like, no, it's not. This is how Bitcoin works. So I, I went through that battle with a lot of black people to start. But the reason that I say it's, it's a lot harder or it was a lot harder was simply because of the trust factor. And also most people didn't understand the why. Once now that people are starting to get the why of Bitcoin, why we need Bitcoin, why it's important in the future. I think that's when black people are like, hold up, that's us. You mean the media makes Bitcoin look bad and they lie all on uh, lie on it all the time yeah much like the black community because it's a threat because if it grows to where it can be it can take away power from the state and i think the the only reason it was much harder before was they didn't know why uh the what you could describe what it was how you could use it but if they didn't know why they were kind of like well why would i use it over what i'm already doing now that people have the why along with way more tools to invest and to use bitcoin uh, i think it, that's become a whole lot easier in fact i've never had more people called me about Bitcoin uh, since I've started. The second most was in 2017 when the price was going to 20000 So right now it's actually better because people are more educated. It's been two years since then or three years since then almost. And I think uh, now it's not as hard to talk about black people about Bitcoin. It's only hard to talk to people who have they built a career off hating it. If they said they hated it long, they just got to stick with it. Peter Schiff, I call them Peter Schiff people. <laughs> they, they, just, <laughs> they start off hating it. So it's like, I'm going to double down. Fuck it. And I've met some yeah. like that. I've met some, you know, some dudes who just double down on it. Even when I'm doing presentations, they're like, I don't believe anything you just said. And I'm like, that's fine. We don't need you. I, I don't really care. So as far as in the black community, it's not much hard anymore. But that was that was a hurdle at first. Does the book help, though, in that you've specifically written it for the black community? Like, do you just shove them a copy of the book and say, like, read this? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's become a lot easier. That's why I wrote the book, to be more efficient. Uh, instead of explaining myself for an hour, uh, here you go. Here's the book. Read it. And if afterwards you still don't believe it, then we can talk more. But most people, after they read it, they're like, hmm, yeah, I could see a, a circular economy coming, you know, sometime in the future. I can see it as an investment because that's all some people see it as some, you know, just a store of value as investment. And then when people start to read about the bank, I think the banking chapter is the one I've been people have come to me and talked about the most. They literally didn't know half of the stuff that banks were doing and these private institutions um, and how racist they are. And the fact that they've paid out hundreds of million, billions of dollars in discrimination uh, uh, payments because of uh, being sued. So these banks that you go to every day, some of you work for them. Uh, I think that in the book uh, really takes people to another thought process like, yeah, we, we got to find something different or at least give ourselves leverage to make them change their practices. So uh, I think the book definitely helps. Uh, I know for a fact there's some solutions in there that I'm working on personally. Others are. So, so far, it's, it's been good organic growth. And I just want people to see an example of what can happen if our community can use uh, Bitcoin. But anybody's community, just just relay it to your own personal community. Bitcoin can be used that way. Well, I think the banking thing at the Rome, at the moment we're realizing they're universally fucking all of us. Yeah. I mean, all, uh, yeah. more again, well, more of an issue in the U.S. The way the Fed's printing money, the the unemployment numbers in the U.S. have gone way above, say, what we had here in the U.K. Mm -hmm. But I think at the, the, right now, I just think you know, what? I just think there's this debt general distrust. We've got you know billionaires and Goldman Sachs alumni in in government in Mnuchin and. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Trump, they're clearly making decisions. I mean, I've been looking into this Dodd-Frank thing that, that Mnuchin was looking to deregulate, to, sorry, to dismantle. It just seems like right in front of our face, right in front of our eyes, mm -hmm. they are robbing everybody right. to look after their friends. And the incentive structure is all wrong. And I, I just, I think the US is painting the biggest picture for everyone because it's not as bad in the uk but it's making people realize what's going on mm -hmm. absolutely and I, I think the fact that i wrote the book for uh, the black community is fine but every community should be up in arms right now i mean if i, I know some people that, that were saying hey this protest isn't about that it's, it's about george floyd i'm like i don't think you understand you got uh, you have a nation full of people who are getting fucked by the fed and some people realize that, and this is just a byproduct of that. I mean, it was a slap in the face to get a $1,200 check for some people, and they're like, that doesn't even cover my rent. Like, what are you even doing here? Then mm -hmm. to send, you know, propaganda like these, they send you a letter like, yeah, from your government, we have sent you this. And it's like, man, fuck you. You know what I mean? Don't they have Donald Trump signatures on the yeah, check? Donald Trump's, I have seen one of them. I, I, did, I, was, I didn't qualify for it. I've seen one of the things. has a Trump it has a signature like Trump just saved America with this shit. And I'm dying. I know. It's like, Jesus Christ, I was joking, how arrogant can you be? I was joking to my friend. I was like, when they get the vaccine, the vaccine is going to have his signature on it as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, it's it's so, some people are just pissed off because of that. I mean, if everybody that's pissed off right now turned their attention towards the Fed and they were like, we need to find a way to take out the Fed, of course, you really can't do it physically. I mean, y'all are not breaking into a federal building. But you can start slowly moving money out of your savings accounts and out of uh, some of these other accounts into Bitcoin, either slowly with dollar cost averaging or all at once uh, as a as a big fuck you. So honestly, I think people who are in the street that are just mad, I don't blame them. I mean, this is a terrible time to not be already rich because, like you said, the incentive structure, there are people already millionaires getting millions of dollars. And then there's people who are already poor to start 
getting that twelve hundred dollars or you know thirty five hundred for like tax returns or whatever. But that won't last them through the end of the year if they can't go back to work. So it's a uh, it's a cry out for help from a lot of people, and everybody is getting fucked by the Fed right now. It's the silent protest, though, right? Yeah, it's the best silent protest you can you can have. And some people are not people who want to march uh, and protest. I'm one of those people. I've never really been to a march or protest in my life. Me, I protest economically by trying to build and <clears throat> in other ways as well, buying guns and uh, preparing myself. But uh, as far as going forward, yeah, protesting for other people, if they're going to do it, you want to have those solutions available after the smoke clears. Yeah, it's funny. You say, you say about buying guns, right? I've um, you know those you know the footage you see of uh, like those armed militias standing outside protecting their businesses or protecting their streets. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it is. I think I trust them more than I trust the police. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think uh, I think we had some sort of voucher for business owners to purchase a gun, and every single person knew every single business on the street has a gun or a gun owner. It'd be a lot different. Uh, some places don't. They 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 just get robbed away and they don't get it. But I actually trust it more than the police because they have to live there. They have to work there. It's a lot of police that come into these neighborhoods that live 30 minutes away. They don't give a shit about the street. They don't care. That mm-hmm. doesn't affect them. So I think I trust them more. And I think you should have police maybe as a perimeter or outside and then maybe a security force. But, you know, it, a lot of times that can get sticky as well. So it would have to be something well thought about. Like you said, this is a nuisance, uh, very, a very nuisance argument. You have to be able to sift through a lot of the the small factors that could affect it. But I, I'm with you there. I think I trust the business owners more than I trust trust the police because, uh, yeah, they're fighting for their lives and the police are just fighting for a check to go home, you know, sometimes. Next up, I talk to Isaiah more about Bitcoin and Black America. But before that, I have a message from my amazing sponsors. So first up, let's talk about Sportsbet. Have you checked them out yet? It's sportsbet.io the best place for online gaming, and they also accept Bitcoin. You can game with Bitcoin with Sportsbet, which is pretty cool. We've also got sports coming back, which is great. The Bundesliga's back, and the Premier League is coming back very soon. I'm going to be looking myself into having a little wager, probably on Liverpool winning and Tottenham losing, but keep an eye out for that. And we're also going to be launching a new poker tournament. That's probably going to be a week on Sunday. Check out my Twitter. Keep an eye on that. Bitcoin prizes to be won. We're going to be giving away Watford shirts, which is the team which Sportsbet put a Bitcoin logo on the shoulder of, which is pretty cool. So lots and lots of stuff coming up there. It's going to be very busy over the next few weeks. But keep an eye out on my Twitter for the poker tournament. But if you want to find out more about Sportsbet, head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. Also, something else. I've been looking at my personal security. It's been a little while. I know, I know. A little bit guilty here. But it's been a while since I reviewed my personal security. And I've decided... I'm going to be setting up Casa. So I've been talking to their CEO, Nick Newman. I've been explaining to him that it's uh, time for me to level up. So we're going to work together on this. So I'm going to be setting myself up with a Casa multi-sig wallet. And I'm going to be talking to you about how I did it, what what was involved, how I set up the key management, what my experience was. So do keep an eye on that. I'll probably be getting Nick on the show, perhaps with Lop, to talk a little bit more about what's happening at Casa as well. But if you want to find out more, if you want to understand a little bit more about what Casa do, head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. It's funny, I, I, I'm really intrigued to see how this all plays out. I was Again, I was chatting to a friend earlier today, and I was like, if in a year's time, like in 2021, mm. we go back to where we were in 2019, it'll be a real shame if nothing has changed. 
Exactly. Now, well, the one thing is like I've been I, I, I've just seen this thing in London where they're fighting police, and I'm critical of it. I think it's just opportunist bullshit. But at the same time. One of the interesting things is the way this is spreading around the world. I've just seen protests in France and in Amsterdam. It's a real chance to to ask some really tough questions of the role of the state, the role of government, how money works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we really need to – it isn't just about teaching people about Bitcoin, right? It's actually educating them about money. Money. Mm-hmm. But I, I just worry that in, in a year's time, I worry we'll miss this opportunity. Yeah, and – I, I'm with you there. I said the same thing. I, I said this should be the last time we protest. Like, this should be it. it. It really, of course, it won't be. But if we're educating people on money and people are sort of getting that information, I'm going so hard right now for that reason because I don't want to see us in the same position a year from now. And we're sitting here talking about, oh, well, what's more solutions? Can we? And it's like, ah, shit, here we go again. Because unfortunately, a lot of people who have been around, who have who lived through the 60s, who saw, you know, a lot of the struggle then. They're sitting here now like, I mean, this is the same thing 50 years later. I don't even know what to tell you. I, it's, it's the same. And that can't happen. Not not for me. I don't want to live, you know, another 40, 50 years of my life going through this. So you're right. It would, it would be a shame and we have to do something to change it. That's why I'm going so hard. I'm glad you're going hard. Of course, everybody in the Bitcoin community. Mm-hmm. But just money, period. I think most Bitcoin people have, have gone away from talking about Bitcoin as much. But talking about money, uh, period, and mm-hmm. how it works and, and how a lot of what we do today is shaped off of, of money and how to use it. Yes, that's the conversation we should be having. Yeah, that that is the thing that has made a difference before when it's like, oh, you need to buy Bitcoin because it's censorship resistance and seizure resistant and blah, blah, blah. Like, I just could not get people interested. I made this show called The Money Game, which was all about how the money system works, mm-hmm. how inflation robs you, how the, the government steals from you, how uh, the different ways they kind of fuck with you. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with people. And then people listen to that and they're like, oh, yeah. I get it. Okay, this is why Bitcoin is important. And I guess that's something you're experiencing, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I discuss whenever I'm on my book tour and I speak to financial groups, either with webinars, the first thing I talk about is money. I don't even go into Bitcoin. I'm like, look, most people don't even know what money is, you know, the, the three mm. pillars of money. Um, and then as far as U.S. monetary policy, most people don't understand how the Fed distributes money to the banks who do not distribute money to you usually through loans or whatever it's usually distributed to their other rich friends and that's why you're left out of the economic system and then going to of course Bretton woods agreement how we went off the gold standard fiat currency how the inflation like you said kills over time that's why your grandmother could be a stay-at-home mom and grandpa will have one job and y'all could buy a house two cars and a picket fence and now i'm making more than they did and i can barely afford an apartment and you know it's it's inflation that's what did it so uh, I start off with that, and like you said, once people were like, "Hmm, that's how money works." Yeah, that's this is how your money works, and this is why you know it's, it's you're getting robbed. And now is a better solution. And then I, that's when I kind of go into Bitcoin. So I think the money part is is very important. It has to be the foundation, and uh, we got to start now because, like you said, a year from now we can't be having the same conversation, not on a broad scale. Yeah, I, man, I'd, I'd be so disappointed if nothing's changed, or if it's like. If like uh, I'm out in LA and it's just like, and I'm talking to you and it's just like somebody else has been killed and it's like, mm-hmm. I, I almost think th- this is like peak protest now. I think if it happens again, I don't even think you'll get the same protest. I think you'll probably even just get even more looting and violence and less actual real change behind it. I could be completely wrong though, but mm-hmm. how do you think this is going to play out now? Because 
what was interesting last night is the, the protests seemed to go back to being a bit more peaceful or less looting and less kind of violence. I can't figure out if that's just because like all the shops are smashed up, so there's nothing left to loot, or it's just like a change in dynamic. I, I, and I can't figure out if the changing dynamic is a change in the police attitude or a change in the pr protesters. But like, how do you think this plays out? Because it, one of the interesting things is that it would if we nice if there's some kind of like coordinated expectation of what people wanted mm -hmm. and people kept protesting for it like so for example the three other policemen who were sat behind as um that guy uh, i can't remember the name of the, the policeman but as he mm -hmm. uh, knelt on his neck it's like those three guys need uh arresting as well right that's that's a that's a clear thing we want. but like we need some other kind of achievable goals yeah things are working towards and whilst everyone's like protesting and shouting i don't know if everyone is in agreement about what they're pissed off about yeah yeah and that's that's one of the biggest problems with protests is people are there for their own reasons and as if there ever was a sort of leader that would come up with you know 10 bullet points and this is what we want yeah he probably get he probably get killed especially if he's black <laughs> I mean, every black leader we've had that's tried that got killed i mean <laughs> literally that's why you don't see people giving okay. up uh, as much. However, organizations that aren't funded by George Soros, like Black Lives Matter, need to come together to do it within their local communities. Because there's never going to be a concerted effort, but if within your local community, like, all right, 80% of most people's lives are spent within a five-mile radius. So we need to figure out, as a black community here in, let's say, um, D.C. or wherever, here in D.C. as a black community, that will be easier to organize to get it going, because a national one... It, it probably won't happen. But locally, you can get it done and have a very good quality of life if you can get something done with those cops. But yeah, you're right. I wish we could say, yep, those three cops need to be arrested. Uh, police need to have some sort of insurance uh, if they kill someone. And uh, whoever else, whoever else's case that was funny, so to say, like George Floyd, needs to be reopened. Because there are a few cases like Sandra Bland. I believe there's another one that's being reopened. Uh, Breonna Taylor's, I think, is being reopened. It's a lot of other cases that they should go back and be like, no, those dudes need to pay for it at a certain point. I'm sorry that, you know, it's later down the line, but that, that would be good to have on a list. I just don't know who will be able to make it. And I just don't know if it will get co-opted by some of the outside forces like we've discussed. Because in case you're wondering, if you're white and you don't realize this, Black Lives Matter is not a black organization. It's black people in it. Well, it's, yeah. it's a good, it's a good, the, the actual statement, Black Lives Matter, is a good statement, but I'm talking about the organization itself because they they did not shit after Mike Brown. They're opportunists. They got their fame. The few that were in it, they haven't said anything since then. So as a black person, I'm telling you, Black Lives Matter, the statement, yes, I agree with it. The organization itself, don't send them any money. Help your own people. Yeah. Uh, give it give it to the people directly that you see because these organizations, unfortunately, have co-opted a lot of the wording and all of the... the uh, the things that actually go into a pro protest and they just packaged it and um, started, you know, basically watering it down. So we need to avoid that as well because they're, they're not for us. I, uh, I interviewed a guy from New York. I think as a president of New York, Hawk Newsom, um, mm -hmm. president of black lives matters a while back. Um, and it was really interesting in the interview because it ended up becoming all about social democracy and mm -hmm. um, talk a lot about socialism projects. And I was really kind of like, I was a bit lost, actually, because I was like, this isn't what I thought I would be talking about. Yeah, um, well, that's because they're, if, if you ever, I've only visited their site once, so this was maybe five years ago, but if you looked at the site, there wasn't really any solutions for black people. It was literally, it was like, 
uh, solutions for people in the gay community, solutions for to abolish, like one of them was to abolish the household or something like that. Some sh- I don't know. Uh, mm. I guess they wanted to make it so that nobody hates that other people, you know, gay people get married or whatever. Then the socialist aspect of it, the money part is like we need to abolish capitalism, which I don't really agree with. You need to have real capital. We haven't even seen real capitalism in my lifetime because the Bretton Woods Agreement since 73, I don't really, if you have the freedom that we have now with the capitalism that's supposed to happen and a social safety net that's actually responsible, not not a corporate safety net, if they fuck up and you're a billion dollar company, you lost. Oh, well. As, you may have a social safety net for somebody here uh, as far as like if they're mentally challenged or if there's things that, so, so I don't think capitalism doesn't work at all. I think it, it's been bastardized and it's turned into colonialism. So when black people are starting to say that, I'm like, that's a very nuanced argument as well. It's, you can't just polish it all together. Let's go socialist. Uh, have you been to a socialist co- country? Um, everybody that I've heard that has been in socialist countries has had a terrible experience. They're running away for a reason. Uh, because as soon as you get a dictator strong enough to enforce the type of socialism they want, that probably won't be good for you. Uh, you'll be trying to run away too. So I like the freedom. I'm more of a libertarian, I guess. Cap- do do your own thing. Leave each other be tight. I don't even know if it's a name for it. But uh, but yeah, Black Lives Matter. I just I haven't really spoken to a lot of them after that whole debacle back in 2015. So I don't know what they're up to now. But it, they always co-opted with signs and with the statement. But the group itself, nah, I don't give a shit. Dude, I went to Venezuela, made a little film about it, and. Uh, uh, nobody there wants so the only people there want socialism are the, the ones who are essentially slaves of the maduro regime regime they right. rely on it for their job or their education and if they don't support maduro they will likely lose lose those uh, privileges but nobody wants it everyone's leaving the country 50,000 or whatever at this one border crossing I went to traveling every day nobody wants fucking socialism it never works it's never I've had the same argu- I have the same argument with my socialist friends in the UK especially during the last election because there's quite strong socialist policies coming in from uh, from the Labour Party and and uh, you know and and a lot of my friends are like oh these are really great ideas I was like these really aren't great ideas you really need to you need you really need to look at a socialist country and the history of socialism because it, it really really doesn't work um, so how, I mean how do you think this is all going to play out like you're obviously watching the news every day you're seeing like we're all going to put the TV on later and see if protests start again how do you think this is going to play out well I want I think once the, the protests die down uh, I think. I think amongst the black community, I've seen a huge wave of people who are now saying, okay, we, fuck it, this is it. This is the, we're tired of this. There's enough information out now, business-wise, where people economically starting to come together and also, too, socially starting to see we're still seeing the same problem we saw before. We're not going to have it smooth. The way I see it playing out is, unfortunately, because everybody's unemployed and broke right now, you're going to still have looting. You're going to still have people who use it as an excuse to try and steal and do things or whatever. But I think you'll see more and more protests that have a point in certain cities. And uh, unfortunately, I think it's the road to martial law because if they enforce a curfew, which they've already started, and then the National Guard shows up, which they already have. I mean, it's martial law right now on Hollywood Boulevard, I heard. I, I haven't been back, but it's literally National Guard's all the way down and the curfew's at 9 p.m. I'm seeing people getting pulled out of cars like in Atlanta uh, just for going home. So. I think that's where we're headed for the next few months until maybe things, quote unquote, uh, die down. But I think it's the economy doesn't pick back up. It's going to be more of the same because people are only going to get poor mm-hmm. uh, by the end of the year. And there no amount of Bitcoin can really save that. However, what I do realize is that if people realize they're bankrupting us, they're literally stealing all our shit. All I got to do is say 
Bitcoin is the opposite of what, what happened before. And, you know, I think we could take off from there in the future. But I think socially you're going to see more unrest and around the world you'll see other countries start to fight back. People that may have not had the gumption to do it will probably start themselves because it should be more of a worldwide uh, <laughs> protest if we start going against the Fed. So, you know, that's how that's how I see it playing out. It'll take some time, though. Well, and the other the other thing that you know, crosses my mind, I'm sure it's crossed your mind, is that this uh, this guy who killed George Floyd, he's going to have a jury trial. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm just, you know, you know the you know the next question I'm going to ask you, right? Or the next point I'm going to make is that it's a jury trial, and we know historically the success rate of prosecuting police officers in jury trials is very, very low. Very, very low, and that's why they make right. sure they jury trials. And usually, they'll choose a location based on whether it's suburbs is mostly white, or is it going to be in the city where it's mostly black jurors? You know, what I mean, imagine twelve black jurors on there. He's probably he's one. He's guilty. All you need is is one that disagrees. If there's a mixed bag, black, white, Latino, whatever, whatever, you just need one to disagree, and that, it, cases it won't go forward. So uh, I think that's one great way that you just pointed out that the judicial system doesn't give a shit about black people because damn sure can't get a jury trial for most trials with black people, but the police get it every time, and the success rate is really high. So uh, yes, I, I do think that's an issue, and unfortunately, if he gets uh, not guilty, or if he gets released, I think it'll turn up on a on a violent side. Unfortunately, only because yeah, of course, there, of course there, are people, there are people waiting for the the because if he goes to jail, I think that'll be like, all right. you know what I mean. Even if they fake it and just say he went to jail and just keep him off the radar for you know what I mean <laughs> for the next <laughs> witness protection, who gives a shit? As long as he goes away, you know what I mean, like I, I, whatever. But uh, but yeah, if he if he gets a not guilty, I think you're gonna have some people actually pop off and. Yeah, it's an unfortunate time we live in, but there's there's a lot of built up hate and and I I, I can't really blame yeah. some people that they get if you killed if a police officer killed one of my family members I don't know how I react so I can't really you know tell people what to do I do know that uh, he should be convicted the other three police officers should be convicted and then from that point you have to have some sort of police reform I mean of course of course there's any time to discuss it I'm like if you think police department is perfect you're insane if you think yeah. police if you think the police department is 100% terrible, you're also insane. There is a happy medium that we need to come to, and it's more on the edge of most of the police is something going on with black people, but we got to change it at some point. Got to be police reform. Yeah. Well, listen, look, I'm conscious of time. I want to get a little bit more Bitcoin in just before yeah. we close out. So, look, Bitcoin World, I know you've got your book. You've uh, been focused on like black economics and introducing the black community to Bitcoin. But just like outside of that, like where is your head at with Bitcoin at the moment? What are the key things that you're thinking about? What are you most interested in right now? Mm -hmm. uh, so right now, the two projects I'm most interested in with Bitcoin is uh, Lolly. I love the fact that you can get paid in Bitcoin for doing what you already do. That's very yeah. helpful, getting people into Bitcoin. Because usually when, when people have been like, yeah, I want to get some Bitcoin, they're like, how much does it cost? And I'm like, well, you don't have to buy it. Uh, you can buy what you already buy online. You get free Bitcoin rewards for that. And that's a good way to get people started. They get a few bucks in Bitcoin. They're like, hmm, I can move it. I can use it. And that's a good, very good entryway. I think Lolly uh, Fold app is very similar. Uh, has, yeah. And you actually get a discount. That's another thing. In the black community, I tell people all the time, you can save money if you use Bitcoin sometimes uh, buying from these places. So I like Fold. I like Lolly. Uh, I just signed up with Swan Force, uh, with Swan Bitcoin. I like Swan. Uh, with Corey. They've got the dollar cost average, haven't they? 
the dollar cost average. Very simple. But then I want to buy this much, you know, weekly or monthly from this bank account. Very simple. And uh, shout out to Corey. Uh, I had lunch yeah. with him uh, when I was out in L.A. He's a big time Bitcoiner who's definitely, in my mind, one of one of the top minds in the space. So I like those three projects. Um, I've got a shout out from Jack Dorsey. Cool. For and one of the things I like is that Cash App is very simple for most people. Even though you can't move it off, there are problems there. You can't move the Bitcoin off. And it's you know a custodial wallet that they control. Uh, when people start off, if you tell them, yeah, it's on Cash App, they're like, really? Hold up. I can just get... And it's, it's that simple. So shout out to Jack Dorsey for that. I, I, I appreciate that. But yeah, those are, those are the projects I'm focused on right now. And as far as where Bitcoin is going in the future, I'm interested to see how it progresses if it is used by a country. Now, that may be in five... Yeah, we all years, want to see that, dude. Five to ten years, maybe, but it, it, would it not be crazy if China, like, sped that process up and declared, like, two years from now, like, well, we're going to use Bitcoin reserves as our... <laughs> as, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that would be one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about because, like I said, me and you, I think we're both kind of saying with price, we don't really care that much about price. We, we know the scarcity aspect of it, so we realize that just getting as much as possible is how you can see in the future. But I just think it would be interesting to see if the price does something crazy like 2017, except into the 100,000. That would literally, if Bitcoin crossed 100,000 in the next two years, there's nobody alive who would ever say anything bad about it, or couldn't because we started at zero. And <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's funny you should say it because I, I don't care about price day to day, but I definitely care if it goes over 100,000. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, mean, that, I think that's just part of the part of the course like i think i think it's coming but i just don't look at it day to day but it's like the ultimate play if you're a country like i don't know say like sweden size mm -hmm. i think it's the the government just kind of stocked up and mm -hmm. built a massive bitcoin reserve and then just announced it to the world mm -hmm. the price will explode yeah the speculation itself would push it to six figures and then even if they were like mm, we were playing nah, <laughs> not a deal <laughs> <laughs> but but you're right. I, I think it's only going to take one one major country or semi-major country to say it. And even putting the thought out there, some countries may have it as a, as a strategy, but maybe they were like, hold up, somebody else is going to do it before us. They're, they're competitive. They'll be like, no, 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 we want to do it first uh, because most of our government officials don't have an original thought in their head. So it would usually be <laughs> something that they copied from somebody else. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that would be amazing. That's what I'm really interested in to see going forward. And then also to just how communities can start circular economies using using Bitcoin as well. Um, it's it's going to be you tough. Like, but you like the projects where it's all about the, uh, it seems to me like you like the onboarding things, the the UX things that make it easy to onboard, whether yep. it's Lolly or Cash App. You're like You've picked all the apps who've got that kind of Silicon Valley design in what they're doing oh, yeah. and they're, uh, making it easy. Yeah, most of my consulting is there are people who have never used Bitcoin. And yeah. at this point, a, a lot of people have heard of it, but because when I was started in 2016, a lot of people hadn't even heard of it. They didn't even know what the word I was saying. They were like, big, big coin? No, no, no. So people have heard <laughs> of it, but now onboarding, they're like, okay, how can I buy some right now? Because there are people like, now nah, I've heard you've been talking about this for seven years now. I've literally seen it grow. How do I buy it? I don't want to say, well, you got to go to Coinbase and you got to sign up with KYC, AML. You got to wait maybe a month because they might lose your shit like they've done with mine a couple times or you know, and, and the onboarding process just takes too long. So if I'm like, oh, just get some more cash out, that's that's why I like it. Or if I'm like, oh, get on Lolly, earn some money for buying, you're about to buy your girlfriend something nice, yeah, go ahead and get some Bitcoin back for that. So 
Uh, yeah, I like the onboarding stuff a lot. It gets people involved. And it's easier to educate people when they have skin in the game. All right, Wicked. So what, what, what stuff's coming up for you, man? Uh, so coming up for me, I have some Bitcoin ATMs uh, that I've, uh, I have my own. And then also to installing them around the country, working with CoinFlip. Uh, so hopefully getting that international in places that don't have any type of monetary policy, but just starting here in the U.S. Also writing the second version, the one-year anniversary of Bitcoin in Black America. Uh, your your show is the first to hear about this. So, uh, boom, look out for- exclusive. Yeah, boom, exclusive. Look out for that. Uh, July 11th, uh, the one-year is anniversary. It, is, it, is it a new book or is it just like, a, is it like an update? Uh, it's an update. Um, and it will have some of this the same stuff but bitcoin moves so fast in a year uh it's about 60 or 70 more pages worth of stuff regulations have changed my mindset has changed on the industry since i wrote the book so a lot of different stuff uh we'll have you know some of the stuff from before but most of it will be new new packaging and all that stuff and then uh of course i want it to be more inclusive because when i dropped it the first time i just put it out i was like i'm an independent author i'm just gonna hit up who i know um but this time i want it to be more of the bitcoin community being able to push it and then getting actual tangible results. Like I want to see how many people read this book and bought Bitcoin like the next day. You know what I mean? So uh, working on that. And then uh, of course, still, still dealing with uh, the consultant part of it, the Bitcoin tour, when it book tour, when it comes back, I'll be doing more of it, but still consulting via zoom webinar. You can contact me for a meeting on bitcoinblackamerica.com. So still doing that. Damn busy and uh, always pushing it forward uh, in the space. So yeah, staying busy right now. Wicked, wicked. Well, listen, look, man, I'm glad we finally did this. Um, I want to do it in person at some point, so when, when we can get back on planes and I'm back in L.A., because I do love L.A., mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we'll hook up and we'll, we'll we'll go and hang out and do this and maybe maybe grab a beer as well. But look, look, just keep doing what you're doing, dude. Like, uh, you, you're, uh, you're, you're pushing Bitcoin in spaces that other people aren't. I know everyone appreciates your work. I know everyone likes you, dude. So just keep doing what you're doing. Anything I can ever do for you, just reach out to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, can't wait for the next version of the book, dude. Yes, sir. Likewise, man. Appreciate you, man. Yo, where should people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BitcoinZay, B-I-T-C-O-I-N-Z-A-Y. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram, BitcoinZay, LLC, and the website, BitcoinInBlackAmerica.com. Any of those three places, and I will respond, and we can uh, chop it up from there. All right, man. Well, listen, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, keep rocking, stay in touch, and like I say, anything you need, you know you can reach out to me, man. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate you, people. All right, so what did you think of that? Did you enjoy that interview with Isaiah? Um, I've been following the protests and riots over the last week or so, and, yeah, it's been pretty crazy stuff. Trying to make sense of it and understand what's going on is, is very difficult. I do think there's multiple things going on. There's obviously racial issues going on, but there are opportunists, and, and I think there's just some deep division between the people in the state. We've had the lockdowns. People have been losing their jobs. There's a lot of tension. We've also got the Fed printing money. We've also got governments seem to be supporting companies over people. So I think there's a lot of things clashing at the same time. Um, But it was really, really good to have Isaiah on and explain some of the issues relating to the black community and institutional racism, which I don't really understand. And his ideas around creating uh, like a circular economy 
for the black community is really interesting. So I'll be keeping an eye out on the work he's doing, staying in touch, hopefully getting him back on the show in the future. As I said, do check out his book. It's called Bitcoin and Black America. It is available on Amazon. It is also available on his website and links to that are in the show notes. If you've got any questions about the show, do reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, please do go and check out my other show, Defiance. I've got some shows on there. I've been making these mini documentaries. So I did the Bitcoin in One Lesson, which I actually released on this as well. I've also done a show called The Money Game, which you might find interesting. A lot of cool guests on that. I did the technology show, which was the good, the bad, and the Orwellian. And now I've just released the first part in a series looking at Steve Mnuchin, US Treasury Secretary. To be honest, he's a bit of a shit. If you look into his background, he's, he's been involved in, uh, from crisis to crisis, he seems to have been able to line his pockets and do very well out of it. Um, it's been kind of fascinating looking into that. But if you want to find out more about that, that's at defiance.news. If you've got any questions for me, it's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Have a great weekend, and I will see you soon.